What is up, everybody? Happy Friday. Jody Biasi from Locked On Sabres, joined as always by Tom Gazzola here going into the weekend from Locked On Oilers on uh, the Locked On NHL podcast. Tom, how's your week been going? Are you getting pumped up and fueled up for the uh, start of the qual- the qualifying round for the NHL? We are are we a week away? We are one week away. We're one week away, Joe. Um, I'm so excited. I'm geeking out. It's going to be fantastic. I've been at the rink for a week and a half now, mm-hmm. and uh, right. it's it's become very real, very yeah. real. And I'm so excited. Uh, by the way. Edmonton was trying to do a drive-in beer garden beside <laughs> the arena, and it got shut down. I just know it got shut down. Uh, why? Why was it being shut down? That sounds like an amazing idea. I know, <laughs> but let's think about the name: drive-in beer garden. Okay, now, oh yeah, okay, just, wait, uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I want to exactly. walk that back. <laughs> you're right. Now, think about it a little bit. At first, you're like, that's realize. brilliant. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beer and after a while, you're like, something oh, wait a minute. here. Yes, yeah. that's right. <laughs> um, well, anyway, before, regardless. Before we get into what we got uh, queued up for everybody today, we're going to continue on with our series previews out in the Western Conference. Last week, we previewed Blackhawks versus Oilers, as well as Wild versus Canucks. If you're a fan of one of those teams, you want to go check that out, go check out last week's podcast. Today, we're going to preview Calgary versus Winnipeg and also Nashville versus Arizona. Uh, we got the Seattle Kraken. We've got that to talk about in just a second here. And then we got a couple of players around the league, important players that have been missing practice. And we're in this new environment where we don't know almost anything about those players' absences. Uh, so it's an interesting wrinkle going into the start of the NHL qualifying round. But I got to start. And if you haven't seen it, I'm putting you on the spot here. I just saw it actually roll across my uh, timeline from Chris Johnston on Twitter. Um, Chris Johnson of a, of, of a sports net. And it's a visual rendering of the game presentation in Edmonton. Uh, Maybe it's for both Edmonton and Toronto, but what the arena is going to look like and what the, what the aesthetics are going to look like in the background. And I've got to say, if this is what the NHL is, is putting in store for us, you know, like we're seeing all these sports leagues, like some are putting cutouts in the stands. Some are putting virtual fans. That's more so for television, the NBA to me, I watching some of those scrimmage games in Orlando get started and seeing all the, the, the floors and courts back to back. It almost looks like a youth game. The NHL, if this is their setup and it's got like big posters and lights on in the background, like it looks like, it looks like a real show. And like that, I, if that's what we got going here, then I, I think I kind of dig it. Joe, I think um, it's, it's going to be like, a, I think, a fair way to describe it, maybe a concert vibe. You know what I mean? With the backdrops, yeah. like you said, and the screens that can shift in in terms of uh, the images that they show. And, and yeah, the NHL put out that image, and CJ put it out as well. You get the template there. That's what it's going to look like in Toronto and in Edmonton. And talking to the rink guys here in Edmonton, they're saying that it's going to be a Stanley Cup logo at center ice which is fantastic. Nobody's going to disagree with that. The other thing too is, you know what we're going to see, Joe? We're going to see the digital board ads that we saw at the All-Star game too. Yes. And then you mix in 12 extra cameras inside every rink. And, and that, of course, is the, the two rinks. But 12 extra broadcast cameras bringing you closer to the action. 
Um, and, and when you see that rendering of what it's going to look like, it, it to me really does scream out intimate concert venue, but you're watching world-class athletics and that is hockey. I like it. And, and the beautiful thing about with LED and HD and everything that technology has provided to us is you could put mm-hmm. any type of image on there and you can make it look any type of way you want. You can create an atmosphere and I think that's phenomenal. And and we'll see what the NHL is capable of doing. But you're right. I'm I'm kind of on board with you. They're going to do a good job with this. And and they seem to be on the right path. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really pumped. I'm so pumped for, for hockey to come back. I know we saw the return of Major League Baseball on Thursday night. And there's there's other issues going on there. I know I saw National <laughs> Star Juan Soto uh, tested positive for COVID. The game continued to play. Maybe that's something to actually look at for what will happen in the NHL when inevitably somebody tests positive for COVID-19. I just I can't imagine you're going to go through much of the season that doesn't happen once. Well, baseball got hit with it right out of the gate. I mean, the season on the day of the season beginning, the team that just won the World Series being hosted by the New York Yankees to restart the year, like biggest stage really of the restart. And boom, their great, their best young player, Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals, test positive for COVID-19. And I was kind of surprised that it seemed like nothing really came of it other than Soto set out. And it's not even that he's sitting out for two weeks. He needs two negative tests before he returns to the team. The rest of the team, even though they've practiced with him since that test was given that he tested positive for, they were still out there on the field. They were still playing. They've been tested, but they don't know the results yet. So in the meantime, they're still playing. And I wonder if the NHL, like if that's something similar, I know like you're, you're covering the Oilers, uh, a, a player, a, st- a star of that magazine, like if Connor McDavid tests positive for COVID-19 and the test was administered on a Thursday and Friday morning, he's on the ice for practice with his teammates. And then Friday afternoon, we find out he tests positive. Well, now what happens to the rest of the Oilers? Cause then they're going to be tested. But if they got a game that night, what, what happens? And I'm yeah. wondering your take on that. Well, okay. I mean, there's a protocol in place for that exact scenario. And, you know, you hear the term contract tracing and all of that. Mm -hmm. It it all falls into that. So with Soto, like, we have to keep in mind, too, that um, the NHL is doing it differently than Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is kind of off on its own, and they're traveling, they're going ski. And I don't think it's as regimented, as strict as the National Hockey League. Yep. as the NBA and MLS are doing it, I think that's a big difference and a complete um, mm-hmm. X factor that we have to acknowledge. So when it comes to MLB and, and Soto, you know, testing positive, um, people can't lump in the NHL with what MLB is doing. I, I think that's, yep. that's first and foremost the most important thing about it. But if that scenario were to show up, Joe, uh, it would be devastating. Say Connor McDavid did end up getting tested positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. Devastating, obviously. Um, but but the league, all the medical officials would do their due diligence with the testing and mm-hmm. contact tracing to to try to find a way to uh, make sure everything could proceed. And then on top of that, that's why we have expanded rosters, unfortunately. 
Right. And you are right to point out the, the bubble aspect of it is very important. And you're absolutely in the right to point that out. It's a major difference between what Major League Baseball is doing and what all the, all the other restarts are doing at this point. Um, so that would be different in, in, because of that. Um, all right, well, we've got other COVID related news, possibly, we don't really know because we <laughs> don't really know, uh, what these players are missing practice for, but you got a list of guys who have missed practices in the past couple of days. So today, uh, it, or yesterday on Thursday, it was Matt Dumba, not available for practice for the wild, no update on why that was. And then Dougie Hamilton of the Carolina hurricanes was absent from their practice. And Rod Brindamore said, quote, I can't talk about his injury. So I guess that makes it sound like it's not COVID related. Uh, but it sounds like the coaches, the players, the, the teams, they're not at liberty to really discuss and don't have to discuss what these guys are missing time for. Now, there are a couple of other players we should update on that seems are in the clear. Jonathan Taze was a question mark. He had missed a couple of days of practice. He was back on the ice yesterday for the Blackhawks. Uh, that's a big piece of Chicago's uh, team, obviously, going yep. to Edmonton. Like they need, they need to be full strength. Uh, oh, yeah. If anybody needs to be full strength, it's probably the Blackhawks, who are so top-heavy. Uh, so it looks like they'll have Taze. And then the Flyers over in the East, Carter Hart is a big part of their playoff run and he needs to show up and play great. And he was missing a couple of practices. He did miss practice yesterday for the flyers, but he faced shots afterwards from teammates. So he was on the ice at the very least. So we got that to update you on. And then the big news though, of Thursday that like, this has got to be like the, this is what the, the, the pinnacle of what we talk about in the news items here. The Seattle Kraken. We've we've got the team name. We've got the colors. We've got like a dark blue. We've got like five different shades of blue going on. We got the dark blue. We've got like a tealish blue. We got red. The logo is out. The uniforms are out. First off, the name Kraken. Is it? Were you a fan of it? Are you a fan that they went with it? And then, how do you think the uh, the uniforms came out for them? Oh, Joe, I love it. It's um, I love the S logo, like a nod back to the old Seattle Metropolitans, mm-hmm. acknowledging the the hockey history in Seattle because there is one. There truly, genuinely is, and and that menacing eye, the red eye, fantastic little touch, and then you've got the tentacle running up the entire spine of the S it's it's so well thought out and clever and then the you're right I mean the different shades of blue are fantastic and you figure uh you look at the shoulder logo it's an anchor but it's got the Seattle space needle at the top nice and then that little touch of red Joe Mm -hmm. I think puts it over the top and I'm going to lump in the Vegas Golden Knights with the Seattle Kraken because I have to give both of these franchises a lot of kudos for putting a lot of thought into their uniforms and taking it away from traditional hockey norms, but at the same time respecting them. And Mm -hmm. I think that both Vegas and Seattle today, what we saw, have done that brilliantly. And I, I am such a fan of this. I'm glad that they went with what the fans wanted and voted for. And I think Mm -hmm. this Seattle Kraken thing is going to be just absolutely tremendous. Yeah. And I think that the jerseys came out really nice. I was more a fan of them going with like a green color scheme in some mock-ups that I had seen on social media beforehand. And when I started seeing that it was going to be like this dark blue and this lighter 
bluish teal color. I'm like, well, that's starting to sound like the Seattle Mariners. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest fan of like what they've got going on color scheme wise, but I think they, they pulled it off. Like those jerseys rock. And it's like the red trim that you mentioned, uh, not just in the eye and the logo, but the little stripes on the jerseys. Yes. And then I yes. love the secondary logo, the anchor that they've yeah. got on the shoulders. Like I thought they killed it with that. Um, but now I'm, you know, fast forward to, I'm imagining a giant Kraken, like big octopus that's, uh, inevitably maybe similar to what the Red Wings got. That's they got this potential to like fall from the arena ceiling where they come out into games, uh, like in the intros. I think that, uh, they, they could have a lot of fun with it. I think Vegas, like you mentioned them a couple years ago, they've been, they've had a very unique game presentation, uh, and that, that's more so, I guess, because they're in Vegas than just, you know, they're the Golden Knights and they were a new team and everything. But I think th- it, I think they killed it with the logo. I think they killed it with the name. I like almost everything that they've got going on. And it's not often that I think jerseys, new jerseys come out, new logos, and they're almost universally approved on like this. Joe, can I ask you this? Yeah. You know, you bring up the red thing with the with the trim. But like how much of an emphasis does it put on that uniform? And it seems subtle, but you mm-hmm. look at it and you go, that's actually pretty damn sharp. It at makes least it, when I yeah. it makes it sharp. It makes it clean. Yeah. It, po- it pops a little bit more. I think if that red wasn't there, it would be a little boring to me. Yes, um, exactly. And that's almost actually, we brought, we brought up Vegas a couple of times already. Like Vegas has that in their jerseys. They've got that little red, red stripe on their arms. And I remember when I first saw them, like, okay, that's kind of, that's kind of strange. I want to see what it looks like on the ice and the red accents that they've got on their jerseys too. I think uh, they really stand out. And I think that Seattle did the same thing here. So yeah, I'm yeah. glad that it wasn't just like three different shades of blue. Cause that could have got boring. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, now we, uh, in the future, good thing they're here. We got some expansion draft mocks that we can do uh, at some (laughs) point in the future. So start thinking about who Edmonton's eighth best forward is and their fourth best defenseman, (laughs) because uh, I've already started thinking about that with the Sabres. And uh, let's just say they don't have much to pick from over here, but I'm sure they'll have, uh, if, if it's the same rules as Vegas, you never know. They could be pretty good right out of the gates. Uh, Joe, Jody Biasi, Tom Gazzola here on the Lockdown NHL podcast. All right, we went through the news. Let's get into our qualifying round series previews. We did the Wild Canuck series as well as the Blackhawks and Oilers in our last episode. Let's now get into the six seed Predators versus the 11 seed Coyotes as well as the eight seed Flames and the nine seed Jets. And let's start with Nashville versus Arizona. Arizona, I guess we could have even put in the news here that Taylor Hall is back in contract negotiations with the Coyotes, and that's being led by their new CEO, Xavier Gutierrez, not their GM, John Chayka, it sounds like. But for now, Hall's on the ice, and the Coyotes are looking to win a series for the first time in a long time since they played, uh, they went to the Western Conference Finals like six years ago against the Blackhawks. And the Predators are a minus 135 favorite in this series. The two teams split the regular season series. I think the storyline for me is that the Predators got hot right before the 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 the, re, the pause. They had yep. one win streak of three games or more in the first four and a half months of the season. They had three three-game win streaks in the last 14 games. They were getting good, and they were getting good goaltending. That's a question right now. Who starts between Pecorine and UC Soros? Soros was much better in the regular season, and the starts actually 
came out to Saros playing more than Pecorine did on the season. So there's a question mark in goal. But to me, who wins this series might not even too much depend on the Coyotes. It's just which version of the Predators show up because they've got a really high ceiling, but I feel like they've got a low floor uh, for, for what they put on the ice. Joe, I think you nailed it right there. Uh, you're right. Nashville dict- dictates this series. Absolutely. Like, they are the deeper team. They are the more skilled team. They're rested. Pecorine, you know, he's been a Vesna caliber goaltender for a long time. He's getting older. But if a guy like that has rest, he can win a play- playoff series that's a five-gamer, pardon me, qualifying round series going into the playoffs. <laughs> I need to correct myself. I really do because that's that's the technically the right way to go about it. But you're right. Nashville dictates this series. And there was a time during the season where Arizona looked very much legit. And they at times um, were at the top of the Pacific Division, but they let it slip. And the cracks in, in that roster started to show. And I know they bolstered their lineup by getting Taylor Hall and I think that was a fantastic pickup, and I think they are a better team for it, but it didn't necessarily address all of their needs. He is a high-skilled, high-end caliber forward, and mm-hmm. he isn't going to shore up the defense. He's not going to keep pucks out of his net. Um, it's It's... It's Nashville series to lose, basically. And you summed it up best. They're going to mm-hmm. decide if they're going to win this thing or not. And I really do think that the Preds walk away with this victorious. Yeah, I, I just, there's so many great players that can show up and dominate a series for the Predators. Like Roman Yossi is a Norris candidate. Philip For- Forsberg yes. at his best is a top three. He's a top line player in the league. He could be a point of game player. Matt Duchesne, we have seen played at an incredibly high level. I think Ryan Ellis is a super underrated defenseman. Ryan Johansson is a number one center. Like even like Mikel Granlund is like a six, a guy who's put up almost 70 points with the Minnesota Wild, and he had a incredible down year going into in a contract year by the way only with 30 points like there are so many guys that underachieved that even if you get half of them it seems back to what their normal their normal point percentage per game is or or more shots percentages anything then i think that they could do that you got a ton of guys you could rely on whereas arizona it feels like everyone needs to be clicking they don't have uh, a guy this season on their team that has just been a consistent goal scorer. I mean, Connor Garland is their only guy who cracked 20 goals on the season. And that includes, you know, Phil Kessel and includes uh, uh, Clayton Keller. And I know Taylor Hall got there late. He probably would have got there. And he is a factor in this. It, and, you know, I guess Kessel is maybe an interesting X factor too. Because if Phil Kessel showed up in this series and he was playing at Pittsburgh Penguins level, Phil Kessel, then maybe that would change the narrative and what I thought about the series. And there's a possibility for that. I saw uh, a report on Kessel the other day that he's now fully recovered from a groin injury that had been nabbing him all season, but he didn't want to exit the lineup. He didn't want to miss a game. Kessel has been notorious for just like playing in every game, every season, but that he was hampered by that injury. And if he's healthy now, then you might expect a better version of of Kessel. But again, that's the storyline for the Coyotes. It feels like to win the series, Kessel's got to be at his best and Hall's got to be at his best and Derek Stepan's got to be at his best. And I think Nashville's just got so many guys that you might only need like, you know, two or three. 
to do it. Um, Joe, yeah. Joe, uh, I'll say this. Uh, I, I'm glad you bring up the the thing with underachievers on Nashville because there were so many times this season where we would look at each other in the press box watching games from out of town and being like, what's going mm-hmm. on with Nashville? And on mm-hmm. top of that, Phil Kessel, uh, the groin injury thing, that's a lazy man's injury. And as yep. good as Phil Kessel is, uh, mm-hmm. uh, listen, when he's fired up, he's tremendous. But mm-hmm. when he's not motivated, where is yep. he? Nowhere to be found. Yep, that's right. And when he's not scoring goals, where is he? He's nowhere to be found because you know he's exactly. not going to be. He's not going to be giving you much in in the neutral zone or in the defensive end. So that's right. <laughs> um, X factor will 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 be to be nice to Phil Castle. We'll be we'll say X factor, I guess, to say the. I like here. it. I like it. Um, yeah. if, so if you had to pick a team in that series right now, where where are you siding? Who are you siding with? I'll go with Nashville because you know what, Joe? They've had four and a half months to realize mm-hmm. their mistakes in the mm-hmm. in the season and uh i think they shore things up and they realize they were underachievers and they put the pedal to the metal and and they understand that they're the better team and they oh. show arizona what's up i'm yeah i'm gonna do the same thing i'm gonna pick nashville to win this series uh maybe in four games it's harder to pick games when there's only five it's a five game series yeah. um but yeah i'll take uh, i'll take nashville as well um, all right, and now we've got the eight-seed Flames against the nine-seed Winnipeg Jets. This series by the betting line is very close. The Flames are minus 120 to win the series, and the Jets are even. So the Flames are a very, very small favorite. Uh, Travis Hamanick, I believe you have opting out of this series, yep. if I'm remembering that yep. correctly from a couple of weeks back. So that's somebody that they'll be missing. Mark Giordano returned from an injury shortly before the pause. So he should be good to go. Um, the, the best defenseman to me on the flames. This one could go either way. I, th- this is a series that th- of all the series in the league, maybe this is the one I have the most questions about on who's going to win. And a lot of the things we just said about Nashville, I feel it can be said about the flames as well and what version of Calgary shows up. But the difference I would think between Nashville and Calgary is I've between Saros and Rene, I feel like I can bet on one of those guys showing up and giving you some really good goaltending. Cam Talbot and David Riddich at times at stretches can give you starting caliber goaltending, but it can be so inconsistent game to game with those two that I don't know. I just don't trust it. And I think that, Calgary has the offensive firepower to be able to win this series on their own. Um, the Jets also blue line has been a question mark about them all season. They've been so thin back there. What do you, what do you see in this series? How does it stack up weaknesses and strengths between the two teams? Joe, um, first of all, you summed it up in a very perfect way because uh, mm-hmm. I, I do think that it's going to end up being Cam Talbot. That'll be the go-to guy in net for the flames. Mm-hmm. And and he can be a very good goalie, but he's three years removed from his best year. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't been able to find his form. But the Winnipeg Jets, like you said, have holes on their blue line. However, mm-hmm. the rest of the lineup is phenomenal. It really is. And they've found a way to make it work without that stellar defense that they had. Tyler Myers goes to Vancouver. Dustin Bufflin, you know, mm-hmm. tries to figure out his life, all that stuff. Uh, they lose Ben Sherratt to the Montreal Canadiens. They, they so, trade. They trade Jacob Truba, and they trade Truba because yeah. Truba didn't want to stay there, so he goes yeah. to New York. And so it's they get Neil Pionk back, and he's a good defenseman. Josh Morrissey's a very good defenseman, 
I, I honestly think that this is Winnipeg series to lose because they are to me the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, even with even with a lack of defense, Connor yeah. Hellebuck is far superior to whatever Calgary yes. can present in goal. I think Winnipeg should win this series. I agree with you. I would pick the Jets in the series too. I think that they have a stronger group up front. Um, and I do believe that they have a significant advantage in net. Even though I do like the Flames significantly more on the blue line, uh, I don't think that it's going to be enough to win this series. I think that just the, the combination of – there's so many scoring options. I mentioned – we mentioned the Coyotes, right? And yep. they, In our last preview, they had one 20-goal score. Well, the Jets have five. And, and they would have had another one possibly in Jack Roslovich if the season had continued. Yep. Although he would he, he would have needed to have an insane stretch, so maybe not, actually. But, you know, Kyle Connor, 38 goals. Shifley, 29. He's a premier center in the league. Blake, Blake Wheeler. Wheeler. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not, even, not even known for his goal scoring, and he got to that 20-goal threshold. And Line A was very consistent. He had a strange season. But, I mean, it's not like they're – Winnipeg set themselves up nicely in that it doesn't feel like they need Patrick Laine to dominate a series. He can show right. up and do it. Like he's got that ability, but because they've got Connor and Shifley and Wheeler and Ehlers, and I like Roslovich as a guy that I think should get more of an opportunity. Like they've got so many scoring options that Laine, hey, like show up or don't. Like I think Winnipeg is still huh. can win this can win the series, honestly. Joe, Joe, I want to ask you your thoughts on Johnny Hockey because mm. I think he's kind of becoming polarizing and when the chips are down he seems to shy away Mm -hmm. and that's what happened last year in the postseason as a a, an american guy that loves hockey Mm -hmm. what's your take on johnny hockey my i would i he's a guy whenever his name comes up and then like oh (laughs) maybe if calgary blows it up like that that was tossed out there by elliot friedman even last yeah Uh, whenever that happens, Goudreau is always the first name that I think about. And then I think most American hockey fans and fans here in Buffalo think about just because he's so dynamic and you see him in the regular season. Like he is to me, the closest thing we've seen to Patrick Kane in terms of his style, uh, since Kane really entered the league. And part of that is their, their weaknesses that neither one of those guys are two way players. They're both wingers. They're not centermen and they're very one dimensional players. If they're not scoring, if they're not putting up points, well, what are you really doing for me? And to me, you see what Goudreau's done in the playoffs. Last season, he didn't really show up. And I remember that series a couple of years ago. Who did they play in 2017? I'm trying to remember that. Um, I got the stats in front of me. He played four games. He only had two assists. So he hasn't scored a goal in his last nine playoff games. And to me, like he does kind of have that rep. He kind of has that rep that when the chips are down, when the competition gets tougher and you make it to the postseason – is Johnny Goudreau going to show up? And I do have legitimate questions about that. Now, do I dock him for it? Do I, I do a little bit, but I still do consider him uh, one of the great offensive players and one of the great stick handlers in this league. So to me, yes, it does dock him a little bit, but I would still, I mean, I, I would lay down a lot in a trade if that guy ever became available. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. I just, I'm curious. Cause you know, uh, fans of Canadian hockey players. And I think, you know, Americans mm-hmm. are the same way with their guys and rightly so. Yep. 
You're right. You're right. Uh, and, and that's actually, you're asking about Goudreau should be something we talk about because we did bring this up on the last podcast, that Friedman quote about, hey, should they blow things up if they lose here again? And my answer to that for the most part was no. But I think people would be knocking down the door for several players. And I'm not sure if these guys would be available, but what do you mean when you say blow things up? You can't keep all your best players if you're going to blow things up. And I wonder when you rank those guys like Monahan, Sean Monahan, Matthew Kachuk, Johnny Goudreau, Mark Giordano, like the pillars of that team. Uh, part of me feels like for some reason, I don't even know why I really feel like this. I feel like Goudreau would be the one that gets traded. He is I, out there. It was out there earlier this season. Those trade rumors were legitimate. And uh, if a trade, it happens and they do decide to shake things up he's the guy that goes yeah that's crazy um I, there will be plenty of teams i'm sure knocking down the, the door for that but calgary at the same time man they would get a lot if they wanted to do that um so we'll see i'm picking the jets in the series Are you agree that you're picking the jets as well do we feel like the jets yes. are capable of making like a, a deep playoff run here the blue line kind of holds me back from thinking that but i think it, it's within the range of outcomes like if you told me they were going to go to the conference finals i'm not sure i'd be stunned no it's uh this is a good team they they got uh sidetracked in the offseason with all the the trades and the decisions by dustin bufflin this should have yep. been a team that would have been a a contender going into the conference final. Yep. I think they've put themselves back on track. They are legit. Me too. Me too. All right. Well, we will talk more about the playoffs on upcoming episodes. We'll talk about the, because we will be recording next week before the first qualifying round game, which is next Saturday. Uh, we'll go over the teams that will have first the Colorado avalanche, Dallas stars, uh, St. Louis Blues, and who am I missing here? I'm doing this off the top of my head. Which which uh, which team am I missing that got a, a buyout West? Dallas, St. Louis, Dallas. Uh, Chicago, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Vancouver, Minnesota. Ooh. <laughs> Joe, Ooh, am I missing teams? Is- Forget <laughs> California. What are we? Okay, we got to figure out who this team is. Uh, not the Sharks. Colorado? Colorado, we said we got Vancouver, Edmonton, Vegas, Vegas. I have have a Stanley Cup bet on Vegas. How did I not think of them? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I have a great Stanley Cup bet on them. Uh, We'll we'll talk about Golden Knights. We'll talk about the Golden Knights as well. They came up earlier on the podcast. They're the one of those four teams that did, and we didn't think of it. Anyways, we'll talk about those four teams next week on the podcast. Thanks everybody for listening. You could check me out on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR. You could check Tom out on Twitter at Tom Gazzola. If you want more on the Oilers, who will be participating in the qualifying round, and uh, they've got a couple guys up for major awards with uh, Leon Dreisaitl up for the heart, um, be sure to check out Tom's podcast at Locked On Oilers. Thanks everyone for listening. This has been the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.